LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm here, Daniel Lim, with Todd Atkins and Hal Donaldson. Hal, thanks for being on the show with us. Hey, great to great to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Uh, now, Hal is the co-founder of Convoy of Hope. Uh, he's authored several books, including one that I tweeted through two years ago, Your Next 24. If you go look at that hashtag, you will see uh, a great book. It was very tweetable, Hal, so good work there. Hey, I, I read a lot of books, as anybody who listens to podcast knows, and um, anytime I can tweet, have like 30 tweets from a book, then... It's a, it's a solid book and a solid read. So thank you for that. Oh, that, that means a lot to me. And uh, he does have a new book, however, coming up uh, called Disruptive Compassion. So your next 24 was about, you know, your next 24 hours. Uh, Disruptive Compassion. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah, uh, the subtitle is uh, Becoming the Revolutionary You Were Born to Be. And it's really a book about disrupting your life in such a way that it changes you, but also changes the status quo. And um, when you look at the world today and you look at what's happening in your own community, um, the status quo isn't good enough. And so it really is a, a playbook on how to disrupt your life, but also to change the world. That's good. Tell us a little bit more about um, Convoy of Hope. I know Convoy of Hope, um, again, just having uh, worked with them in the past. And, you know, I, I know it was founded uh, about 20 years ago, and you guys have given away over a billion dollars. But, uh, you know, so people may have heard of it, but I bet a lot of our listeners haven't. So tell them more about Convoy of Hope yeah. and how they might connect with it as well. Yeah, I mean, it really can, it, it dates back, although the organization's been around for 25 years, it's, uh, it really dates back to an experience in 1969 um, when my parents were hit by a drunk driver and my father was killed instantly and my mom was uh, put in the hospital for a number of months with many broken bones and internal injuries. And um, as a result of that, my father didn't have insurance. And so our family was forced to survive on welfare and um, so at a young age, I really saw the power of kindness. Well, fast forward to adulthood, and uh, I was asked to write a book for some missionaries in Calcutta, India. Uh, when I arrived, they said, we want you to interview Mother Teresa. And in the course of that conversation, Mother Teresa said, young man, what are you doing to help the poor and the suffering? And I figured, you know, it's probably not a good idea to lie to Mother Teresa. So I told her the truth. I said, well, I'm really not doing much of anything. And she said, everyone can do something. So I came back to the States and literally loaded up a, a pickup truck with $300 worth of groceries and started passing out groceries to hurting families in Northern California. And that grew from pickup truck to U-Haul trailers, to semi-trucks, uh, to a fleet of semi-trucks, warehouses around the world. And Convoy of Hope is involved in, in several things. Um, we, we feed 200,000 children a day in 14 countries. Uh, we train thousands of mothers uh, and provide jobs training. We're also very involved with agriculture, helping farmers increase their yields internationally. Uh, stateside, we're involved in uh, community events where we'll go into a community, bring together churches, businesses, civic organizations, and government agencies to really have a, a weekend of care 
for their community and will provide everything from free medical and dental care, job fairs, uh, free haircuts, uh, family portraits. Um, we help people prepare like resumes for jobs um, and a long list, a long menu of things that we provide to them. And uh, we're also very involved with disaster response. So whenever you see a major disaster in the U.S. or around the world, uh, you can pretty much count on Convoy of Hope having um, boots on the ground. So that's a quick overview of what we do. That's incredible. Um, we've Todd and I have been out to Springfield and we've done work with the Church Multiplication Network, Assemblies of God, with the work that we do here, Ministry Grid, NewChurches.com and all that. So um, so that's where I first came across Convoy of Hope and, and learned about it, but I didn't realize the impact. I mean, I knew the, it's I knew massive, the, dude. I knew that. Yeah. I, I, was, <laughs> I didn't, especially the global. And plus who can say what I was talking to mother Teresa, <laughs> like I yeah. just slipped that in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it is a crazy story when you think about the fact it started out of the back of a pickup truck 25 years ago, and we've now been able to serve and share Jesus uh, with more than a hundred million people. I mean, that, that is a really a crazy story. Only God is. can really do that. Wow. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it too, because, you know, the old, um, the old quote, uh, that the God's chosen vehicle of implementation to bring his hope into the world is, uh, is the local church. And so it, 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 that whole idea of it is our, and, and, you know, if the church, the church is its people and it's people bringing hope into their communities. And so I love just the name of your organization of bringing hope, but most importantly, bringing hope in the name of Jesus Christ. So very, very uh, excited for our podcast today. Um, I want to go ahead and get started with our first question. So who are you presently learning from? Well, it's probably not the answer you want, but uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is is my children. Um, I have uh, uh, 18 to 29 and uh, four daughters, and they really are my window to the world. Um, they, I think they help me stay in touch with culture. Um, they, they teach me in ways they probably don't even understand or, or know. Um, but uh, what a gift they've been from God. And um, they help keep my feet planted along with my wife. And uh, so I learn a lot from them. But another person uh, or two, I, uh, Dick Foth, who um, is a prolific writer, has his own podcast, uh, worked for many years in Washington, D.C. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. Um, I love the writing of Erwin McManus and John Ortberg. Uh, pastors like uh, Jeff Bronner, people like that. They really have spoken in my, into my life. That's good. Now, with all the names that you listed, uh, is that is that just, I mean, how do you choose who you're learning from? Yeah, you know, usually for me, uh, I have to be a little bit careful in that because I do so much writing that I'm not stealing other people's ideas, you know, and so <laughs> yeah. I'm, very, I'm very selective on, on who I read and, and what I read. Um, but I think for me, it's, it's more relational. Uh, people uh, that God has brought into my path, uh, who have become friends, um, who I really have given license to speak into my life, uh, because I trust them. Um, so that's pretty much how I, uh, how I've approached it. 
Um, and, 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 you know, in terms of friendship, I approach friendship this way. Um, if I'm your friend and you're my friend, um, I'm going to try and give you more than you give me. Uh, and so that's just the way I roll. I, I just really want to be you know, the best friend that people have. And, um, but I also give them opportunity just to speak into my life. And uh, some of these people I speak to every week, literally every week. Mm. Um, so I think it's more just God, who, who does God bring into my life? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that definitely makes sense. So I will say um, we actually share a really good friend and your name has come up uh, over the years. That's Jeremy Burton. So you oh, yeah. meant so much to him and, uh, you know, your answer, uh, right there is definitely, I, I will say, I already know you practice what you preach and how you, um, handle those, Thank you. Uh, those types of friendships. So, so that's kind how, of, when you look at your leadership team right now and the convoy of hope, what is, uh, what is the main point of emphasis look like? Our word for this year at convoy of hope is humility. Um, and we've been talking a lot about chasing humility over status and being, being really aggressive in chasing humility, um, because we don't want to have compassion for the world and our community, but then not be willing to serve one another. And, uh, we've also talked about what does it mean to celebrate other people's success as much as our own. And, um, at the beginning of the year, we do this, uh, in January of every year, we talk about what's our, our theme going to be for the year. And so I got up in front of our staff of 375 employees and I, I said, you know, I, I really do believe that the spiritual health, your spiritual health is more important than Convoy of Hope's growth. Because if you as a team, your, your health is, your spiritual health is strong, it's going to lead to Convoy of Hope's growth. And Convoy of Hope will never grow beyond the strength of the relationships of the team that makes up Convoy of Hope. Um, so that's really been our theme for the year. That's good. How did, how did you come up with that? I mean, and does that change every year for you? It does every year. And, uh, you know, I think what had happened for me was I was speaking, uh, at a conference or a church at the end of, of last year. And I was talking about honesty and humility and how those two work together. You can't have humility without honesty. You can't have honesty without humility. And, um, you know, as I was preaching and I felt like God was saying, uh, I mean, I'm standing up in front of these people and I felt like God was saying to me, yeah, that's your word for this next year for Convoy of Hope. And uh, because I do believe, I mean, our, our greatest threat at Convoy of Hope is not a lack of resources. God has all the resources we need. The greatest threat is pride. Hmm. And if we if we're aware of that, there's really no limit to what God can do here. So is that is that typically how you decide the word every year? Um or, or does that look, I mean, what do, or do you have a process in which that happens? Because that seems kind of as you were, yeah, maybe yeah. talk about that process. Yeah. For so we have an executive team of 15 vice presidents. And uh, typically what I would do is um, we would make that an agenda item for one of our meetings. And uh, we would discuss what is God saying to us? And that's one of the things we try to do at Convoy of Hope. We, in our meetings, um, we, we truly, really try to discern what is God saying to us? What's he trying to say to us? And so it is collaborative. And sometimes people have 
uh, something really uh, that's embedded in their hearts and they'll bring it. Sometimes I bring it. Um, it just uh, every year is different. Okay. Okay. Um, in regards to the 15 vice presidents, just before we get to the next question, now, is that, do they all, I'm just curious. direct reports? Yeah, are they? <laughs> no, no, they're not. I have, I have several that report directly to me. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, an incredibly fast growing organization. And um, each of these ha- people have their slice of the pie. Um, and I, I've, I've said this many times that I think one of the great miracles of Convoy of Hope is um, that the God of convergence has brought all these different people from different backgrounds who have the same heart and the same passion. He's brought them together and they're working in unity to get something done that's very important to God. So what does, what does uh, from a leadership standpoint, what are two or three maybe one or two really things other than the spiritual disciplines, of course, uh, outside spiritual disciplines, what are one or two things that you must do daily in order to stay sharp and lead well? Yeah. One, one has to do with home because if you have a crisis at home, it's going to spill over to your workplace. And so, you know, um, it's as simple for me as hugging my wife and kids every day and telling them I love them. Um, it, it, it keeps my priorities in line. Um, I'm a driver by nature, and um, I have to keep first things first. So that's that's one of the things that I do. But um, you know, I uh, I journal. Um, I write notes to God every day. Um, and one of the things I found is that um, going back to our history again, it was probably about. Um, 15 plus years ago, maybe 17, 18, that I, I wrote a note to God. And I said, God, if you want to expand the reach of Convoy of Hope, this is what we need. We need warehouses, we need trucks, we need finances, and we need food. And God was listening and miracles began to occur. And ever since then, I, I journal, I write notes to God, messages to God. And um the journaling is something that I have to do. When I don't do it, I feel out of step, and I'm not the leader that God has asked me to be. What does that journaling look like? Yeah, it can be everything from God. Um, today was an absolute disaster. Um, I didn't handle this well. Uh, help me to do better tomorrow. Uh, it could be God. Um, uh, so-and-so um, is going through a really hard time. Uh, do a miracle in their marriage. Um, it might be, God, we need a half million dollars to expand our infrastructure in Central America, because if we can expand that infrastructure, we can grow the number of children being fed. Um, and sometimes it's very personal. It's, uh, God, I, um, I, I, I have failed you. I have, I've let you down. Um, I have not, uh, I didn't ask for you to give me a vote. I just went ahead and did it without praying. Um, sometimes just like that, but that, that journal is, um, it's really my, I guess my, um, my intimate moments with God. It's a, it's a prayer journal, but it's more than that. I, I call it a miracle journal because I've seen God do mm-hmm. so many things through the years that I've written down and I've asked of him. And, um, you know, I just, I guess I've learned that 
Um, I just have to keep my heart right, keep my ears attuned to him. And if I do, that um, he's going to take care of everything. Uh, but that book is really important to me, and I've been doing it for years. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this is episode 363 now on the, the Five Leadership Questions podcast. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see here how many times journaling has come up uh, with the different leaders that we've uh, interviewed. So I know years ago, years ago, I journaled and um, for several years after that, or probably in the last year or so, I picked it up again because I kept on hearing it over and over and over again. And and what I found for myself is as I've journaled, it's helped me slow down. It's helped me slow down in my scripture reading. It's helped me slow down in my prayer life. It's helped me remember as well. And and as as a writer, right? I mean, there's sometimes you're you're thinking back to stories of what happened and you have a memory of what happened. And when you go back to your journals, if you have them, then you're actually able to see the different nuances that was present then that you might have not remembered now. So it's it's definitely beneficial. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I, th- I, I really, I tell you, it's really helped me in, in this sense. I think when your mission is right and you're doing what God has asked you to do, that you can expect a rhythm of hardship and miracles. And by journaling, it, it helps me remember that. It gives me perspective. And when I'm going through a hard time, it gives me perspective. Um, when I'm experiencing miracles, it gives me perspective. Uh, so it's just something that I have to do. And and there have been weeks that probably I, I've not done it and I feel it. It's it's like not eating. Um, it's, it's just, or not exercising. It's just something that is essential for me to stay close to God. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So before we get to the next question, let's just hear a quick word from our sponsor for today. What guides your core beliefs? Are they founded upon solid truth or are they based on others' opinions or your own emotions? What you believe about your purpose and value affects almost every area of your life. And this is the premise of the new film, Overcomer, in theaters August 23. It's the latest from the Kendrick Brothers, makers of Courageous, War Room, and others. This movie has inspired the creation of several resources. For small groups, there's Overcomer Bible Study. For individuals, there's a book called Defined. Both are based upon powerful insights from the book of Ephesians. Learn more about all the resources at lifeway.com slash overcomer. All right. So Hal, you've mentioned uh, in the in the first in your first response and in this last one about your home life, your family, your marriage. So uh, let's just continue on with what you've been talking about thus far. What does leadership in your home look like? Well, the word that comes to mind would be consistency. Uh, your children, your wife need to see that you're the same person in the pulpit as you are at home and in the living room. And they need to see that you're practicing what you preach. Um, because, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, who we are is more important than what we do. And uh, that's one of the things that I've tried to emphasize with my children. Um, and I think um, leadership also requires us to give our children experiences, um, reconnaissance, if you will. You know, they're not going to respire. We're, we're not going to respond to um, uh the cries of people that we don't hear, and we're not going to respond to needs that we don't see. And um, so from a a young age, we've made reconnaissance a very important part of our family and helping our children get out and see how the rest of the world lives. Uh, We've at times taken them to dark places 
I remember taking my daughter uh, when she was probably about maybe 18, 17, 18. And I was writing a book about um, uh, child trafficking. And so we went to Mumbai, India, and she saw the eight, nine, 10 year old girls on the side of the road, you know, being sold. Um, and those kind of experiences in, embed uh, gratitude in your children and give them a spirit of gratitude. Um, so those are some of the things that we've done, I think, to maybe provide stronger leadership in our home. Um, and one thing I would add to is, um, you know, it can't be all seriousness. There has to be fun. And, um, and so I think leadership also requires that you program in fun. Um, for us, it's been vacations. And uh, my children know that vacations are sacred. Um, there was one time where uh, we were on vacation. I received an invitation to go to the White House um, for six people to sit in the Oval Office. And I declined. I turned the president down. Why? Because actually my kids are more important. And um, so I think just showing your children um, that your priorities are them. Um, I honestly, I don't want to be known as somebody who's feeding the world, feeding 200,000 kids a day and then losing my children. Um, that's not a good trade off. And um, so we've tried to keep that in balance. Yeah. Walk us through how you made that decision to say no to the president <laughs> or no to the White House. I mean, yeah, just because I know a lot of leaders are listening in and, and there's that there's that idea of, man, I want to do I want to do great things for God. Right. I want to I want to do kingdom work. I want to do this. And and a lot of leaders will hear that and, and be like, wow, this is what an opportunity. Yet. I'm on vacation. So yeah, walk us through kind of that mental process of making that decision of how you made that decision. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times we are, um, we're impressed by other people's, um, resume. We're impressed by their titles, by their wealth. Um, and when they go to, we go to meet them, our palms are sweating because we're nervous. Um, um, I love people. I respect people, but, um, I don't worship people. And, um, and I think a lot of times within the church without realizing it, we're worshiping people, we're putting people up on pedestals. And I believe that pedestals are very dangerous places, especially for ministers. Pedestals can become like diving platforms, uh, because the moment we get pr proudful, pr uh, proudful or prideful and we get full of ourselves, that's the moment we're going to take a, a really a hard fall. And so I think for me, it just comes from the fact that um, my children were more important than the president. I, I, I do believe that. Um, and um, a lot of times I think in ministry, we go places, we meet people um, because it adds to our resume. And um, we haven't given God a vote. It's not being spirit led. It's being career led. Um, and so mm. I don't know. I just, I felt like at a young age, I, I saw a lot of fame and I saw a lot of, uh, wealth and, um, I saw the emptiness of both. And I believe that there's, there's nothing wrong with fame, nothing wrong with fame at all. There's nothing wrong with wealth as long as you don't use it on yourself. And um, I think those are some things that really were in my heart at a pretty young age. Um, and um, just not to be overly impressed with anyone. Uh, we all owe God everything. 
It's a good word. So what would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing for leadership? What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? It's interesting you'd ask that question because it wasn't, wasn't long ago that I was speaking at a university. And after um, I gave my speech, they had an open microphone. And um, a girl walked up to the microphone and she asked uh, Mr. Donaldson, um, over these 25 years, what would you have done differently? You know, uh, what would you have done differently um, if you were my age? What should I know? And I, and I told her, I said, you know, I, I wish I had prayed more and worked less. Um, and I wish I'd understood that the work of my hands isn't as important as the condition of my heart. And um, because I really do believe that the foundation of our heart um, really determines what God can build upon our lives and through us. Mm -hmm. And when the foundation is flawed, our heart is flawed, it, it limits what God can do through us. And um, so, I mean, as a 20 year old, wish I'd prayed a lot more and, and worked a lot less. I think a lot of times we think that if we, we work harder, it, it makes God work harder. And I think a lot of times we mistake ambition for the anointing. We do. And um, uh, if I had it to do all over again, I think I would have probably been um, more spiritual and I wouldn't have had as many calluses on my hands. Mm, that's good. That is. Well, thank you, Hal, for your leadership and, and what you're doing globally through Convoy of Hope. Where can our listeners uh, learn more about you? Um, at uh, convoyofhope.org. Um, and, uh, and then the latest book, Disruptive Compassion. Um, they can find that at Amazon as well. But, uh, and uh, appreciate you uh, giving me the time today. Very kind. Oh, absolutely. We appreciate the work you've done and continue to do. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode with Hal Donaldson. If you enjoyed that, Todd and I are also on another podcast with Ed Stetzer called the New Churches Q&A Podcast. They are a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family. And every episode, we answer questions that you submit. Uh, recent topics are the temptations of a permanent location, how to start a leadership pipeline in your church, and what happens when a mega church moves into your neighborhood. Just look up New Churches, that's two words, on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today.